We're still looking at the judges of Israel. If anybody's counting, this is now part 15. And we're going to look at Jephthah's beginning. Jephthah's beginning. Jephthah is the eighth judge of Israel. And we're going to take a look into the beginning of the time of Jephthah as judge of Israel. We're going to look at his early life and how he overcame some bad circumstances. Uh, we're going to look at how he was asked to be the leader of Israel and how he becomes judge of Israel. We're going to see how things didn't go the way a perfect storybook uh, might read. Uh, sometimes things don't happen in the prettiest of ways, or at least in our eyes, the prettiest of ways. Um, when uh, I was a teenager, I really loved basketball. I still kind of like basketball. I'm just not in good shape anymore, so I like it a little less. And my favorite team for the NBA was the Detroit Pistons. And when I was a teenager, they were very, very good. Uh, I don't know anymore if they're any good at all, but then they were. And so uh, these, this team at this time had the best defense. Uh, they were the best defensive team. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Hello. So I, when I was a teenager, I loved to watch this uh, Detroit Pistons team play. And uh, they were very good, but they didn't play in a very pretty way. Uh, it was actually quite an ugly game because they were so good at defense. Uh, at this time, teams averaged between 90 and 100 points per game. But in their games, teams would average between 60 and 70 points per game uh, just because they were so good at defense. They would win a lot of games with uh, scoring less points than the average team in the NBA. And the commentators, if you were watching the game, a lot of times they would talk about how uh, it wasn't a uh, pretty game, but they won. And, and so uh, th there was other teams that might be more attractive to watch. Uh, but this team, even though it wasn't a pretty game, they could still win. Uh, so sometimes things don't happen in the prettiest of ways. Uh, sometimes things don't happen the way we think they should. And, and we here at this church, we understand that. Uh, we gone, we went through all of this. We're still sort of going through this. Uh, you know, we were in uh, Navarre down there on Navarre Road and we were happy and then an opportunity came up over here and God said, move over here down the road down that way. Uh, and so we did that and we moved down there and we thought, well, this is where God has us. We're where God wants us to be. And we were, we were right where God wanted us. And we, we were ready there to, to park for the rest of our lives and never move again, right? And so we're just over there and we're serving and then uh, the land across the street is in our price range and they're willing to make a deal with us. And so we buy the three acres with these huge plans of building things and doing all kinds of things. And uh, so we're thinking, okay, this is going the way we think it should go. And so we buy that land and we start using it for a bunch of the children's ministry stuff. And we get this idea that we're going to build this uh, uh, covered building or pavilion, whatever you want to call it. And we're going to do some services outside over there. And for whatever reason, it was just roadblock after roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And we thought, you know, OK, we're supposed to get this building over here, right? That's what we're thinking is supposed to happen. But it never happened. God never allowed it to happen. Uh, but God did want us over there. And if anyone is wondering, why did we buy that land and then sell it? Well, just to give you a little information, this past year at VBS, we had 52 kids one night. 
And the reason for that is because we were able to have a really cool circus over there. And if for nothing else, we were able to reach some people. Uh, so if there is no other reason that you can think of, there's at least that. And in, in a couple years before that, we did a Saturday uh, program for the kids over there. So there was plenty of times that God worked over there. And so it didn't go the way we wanted it or what we thought it was supposed to go. Uh, we thought there was going to be this really impressive building over there and maybe a ball field and all this you know, stuff, maybe a park or whatever. And it didn't go that way because that was kind of our plan. And we thought maybe it might be God's plan, but it wasn't. And so we're over here now. And I remember when pastor said, hey, there's a building for sale down the road. And I thought, so? You know, like, like we got a building right here, you know, kind of thing. And I didn't realize, and I don't even know if pastor realized that that was God's plan. We just thought, well, it might be. So we better at least say, hey, God, what do you want us to do here? And so, uh, you know, Looking from the outside, looking before all that would have happened, you, you might think, well, why did we move down there to move over here? You know, may, maybe you're thinking, well, Perry Baptist should have just closed two years earlier and we could have bought their building and never went down there. Uh, well, maybe Perry Baptist reached somebody in those two years that we couldn't have. Uh, you know, and we were down there and maybe we reached somebody down there that if we were over here, we wouldn't have been able to reach them. Uh, we don't know. Uh, God knows all of that. And, and God's way is perfect. Now, I'm not here to question any of it. Uh, but we know that God had us down there and God had us down here now over here. And it was all part of God's plan. So it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go, uh, but it was God's plan. Uh, sometimes we may not understand why something is happening as it is happening. Uh, I, I worked in junior church for six years in the church I grew up in. And I did everything uh, in junior church there. I, I, when I um, started in junior church, I never asked to be in junior church. Uh, I didn't never planned to work in junior church. I had no dream. I never even gave it a thought. And actually, when I was a little kid, I didn't even like being in junior church. I always pretended to have a headache to get out of junior church. And I don't know why, because the pastor's preaching wasn't any more fun than it was at junior church. Uh, but for whatever reason, that's, that's just how I was. And so what happened was I was 12 years old and we had uh, plan, our church plan to go on a missions trip. We were going to go do basically a VBS for a church in Vermont that didn't have enough people to do their own. And so we went and did that. And part of my uh, service on that missions trip was to do a puppet. Uh, so we did a puppet show every single night or five, the five nights, Monday through Friday. And I had to learn how to do a puppet uh, so that we could do this puppet show. And I got to be a puppet that was a pig. And it ended up being a lot of fun. And uh, so I learned to do this for that uh, missions trip. And we come back on Saturday sometime. And Saturday late at night, the director of junior church, and I'm 12 years old, he, he calls. And, he, you know, my dad picked up the phone or whatever. And he talks to my dad for a couple minutes. My dad's like, uh, you know, he, he wants to talk to you. And I'm thinking, me? You know, wh why me? What's going on? And he asked me if I would be willing to help in junior church. And I didn't know what to say. And I didn't want to tell him no because... You know, I just don't want to let people down. So I said yes. And then it proceeded for like the next like six months or so. He would call me every Saturday and say, hey, would you like to help in junior church tomorrow? Would you like to help in junior church tomorrow? And so I, you know, I didn't understand. I never planned that. I didn't understand at that time that I was doing that because God had planned for me to do children's ministry as an adult. Uh, and, and today, you know, I'm over overseeing children's ministries here and all along the way, God was preparing me for that. 
When I was 12 years old, I had no clue what I was going to be doing. God never called me to preach at that age. It was a few years later. Uh, so I had no clue what was going to happen in my future. I didn't understand it at that time, but it was God's plan. You see, uh, sometimes things are not how we would have planned them. Sometimes they're not the prettiest. Sometimes we don't always understand it. But if they are the way God planned, then it's okay. It's good. God has a plan and we need to follow God's plan. Uh, Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, so even if uh, you know we would have known God's entire plan, we still may not have understood it all because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, we don't have to understand it, though. Uh, it, it doesn't rely on us understanding. It just relies on us being obedient to God's plan and being willing to follow God's plan. So we're going to get into that a little bit tonight with Jephthah. And, but first, I'm going to review what has recently happened to Israel up until this point. So this is basically a review of Judges chapters 8 through 10. And it's just going to be real brief and, and a broad overview. So after we have Gideon judging, and then after Gideon judges, there is a falling away from God. The people of Israel, they walk away from God. And then Abimelech then uh, talks his extended family members from his mom's side. He talks them into helping him become uh, king. He wanted to try to be the king. Uh, Abimelech, he then uh, uses their money to pay for people to help him. And one way they helped him is to murder all of Abimelech's brothers. So now Abimelech is the only son left in Gideon's line. Now, the people of Shechem, that's from his mom's side there, that's the town she was from, uh, they then make him king over them. And this lasts for three years. And during that whole time, the people of Israel never become close to God. They're not led uh, in the right ways of God. Uh, and then there's an internal war breaking out in Israel and Abimelech dies. After Abimelech dies and Israel is uh, in somewhat of a mess and at war with nations around them, at least it appears that way because it says they needed a judge to defend them. And so Tola rises up to defend them. Uh, Tola judges for 23 years and that is about all we know about Tola. And then after Tola... Jair rises up to be judge. Again, not much is known about the time that Jair's judge. He judged for 22 years. Uh, after these two judges, Tola and Jair, uh, Israel begins walking away from God again. Israel doesn't just forget about God, though. Uh, they don't just get too busy to go and talk to God. They don't get too busy to serve God. They actually go and serve seven false gods. Uh, God reminds them of who he is and God reminds him of the seven times and it was more than that. But he chose to remind them of seven times that he had uh, helped them and defended them in, in the past. Now, Israel uh, does eventually admit their sin. They ask for help. They repent of their sin and they get back to work for God. Uh, after this, we have Jephthah. Uh, so I want to look at Jephthah's upbringing. So if you turn to Judges chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Judges chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. 
And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up. And they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and he and went out with him. Uh, so we have Jephthah's upbringing here. Jephthah was a Gileadite. Uh, the Gileadites are descendants of Joseph. Uh, Numbers 26, 28 through 29, it says, The sons of Joseph, after their families, were Manasseh and Ephraim. Of the sons of Manasseh, of Machir, the family of the Machirites, and Machir begat Gilead. Of Gilead come the family of the Gileadites. So that's kind of the line there. Manasseh, Joseph's son, had Gilead, and he was the father of the Gileadites. Uh, So this line of family uh, leads to Joseph. And Joseph, we know he was a man of God. He followed God's plan and God's will for his life. Joseph was disciplined and being obedient to God, even in tough situations. So that's kind of the family heritage of Jephthah's family. Now I want to take a look at Jephthah's parents. Look again at verse 1 of chapter 11. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, that's his mom, and Gilead begat Jephthah, that's his dad. So Jephthah's father was Gilead, but his mom was an unnamed harlot, as the Bible calls her. Uh, We see in the first part of verse 2, it says, And Gilead's wife bare him sons. Uh, So we see that Jephthah's father uh, is married. Um, We don't know for sure that he was married at the time that Jephthah was born, but at some point, Gilead decides to become uh, or take on a wife. And so at some point he gets married. But Jephthah's mother was not his father's wife. And we will see that this causes a problem in a little bit here. Now, Pastor talked recently about this, actually just Thursday night. And this goes kind of along with what Pastor was saying Thursday. God does not want us to have more than one wife. And God certainly does not want us to have an unmarried partner either. Uh, we can look at all the verses that prove to us that God intends for man to only have one wife. And we could look at all the instances in the Bible uh, that having more than wife has caused problems. It causes marital problems. It causes family problems. There's evidence in the Bible that it causes spiritual problems as well. Uh, we will see that this is the case for Jephthah tonight. His father's choice to have multiple women in his life uh, in this capacity turns out to be bad for Jephthah. Uh, parents' choices will have an impact on their children's lives. Uh, Exodus 34.7 says, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of, and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Uh, the choices parents make will affect their children and even their grandchildren. As parents, we need to be uh, even more careful in the choices we make and the things we do and what we allow into our lives uh, because our children can and will be affected by those choices. Uh, Jephthah's father chooses to have this harlot in his life and they have a child and that child is Jephthah. And we'll look at the issue this causes in just <clears throat> a couple minutes. 
But first, I want to look at how there's no excuse, though, to turn out bad. <clears throat> Jephthah's father may not have made the best choice there. Uh, his mother may not be the ideal person to role model, but that is still not an excuse to turn out bad. Uh, uh, children will be influenced by their parents' decisions, uh, but that does not give the children an excuse to be bad. Jephthah was not given a perfect family. He didn't have the perfect parents. Uh, Jephthah did not ride into church in the back of the family van on Sunday mornings with both of his parents holding hands in the front seat. Uh, his mother may not have really been in his life very much. And we'll see that jo uh, Jephthah's brothers will push him out of the family. Jephthah was used by God anyways, though. Uh, even though he was not from a perfect family, Jephthah was still used by God. Uh, parents uh, and brothers do not determine if you are going to be able to serve God. It's not up to your parents. It's not up to your family. It's not up to your brothers. God determines if you're going to be used by God, and then you have to choose to follow God. Jephthah could have used all the excuses and not serve God. He could have told God, no, I won't serve you because you gave me a bad family. Uh, Jephthah could have just said that his life is too complicated. It's too hard. He's got a lot going on with his brothers hating him and, and, and all of this stuff, and I just can't do it. But God wanted to use Jephthah to lead Israel as a judge, and Jephthah does it. He doesn't use the excuses. He is just simply obedient to God's will for his life. Uh, we see in verse 2 that Jephthah is cast out of his family. Verse 2 again. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up. And they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. So as I mentioned, Jephthah did not have the best family. His brothers became so against him uh, that they decided that he needs to leave the family. They got to get rid of him. His brothers didn't want him to have any part of the family inheritance. Uh, so they thrust him out. The Bible uses the word thrust. They thrust him out of the family and even say to his face that they don't want him there. Uh, that would be a terrible situation. Uh, that's not a happy or a healthy family at all. Uh, but again, Jephthah is still obedient to God when it's time for him to step up. We need to rely on God when we're in tough situations, especially if it's a family situation. We need to make sure that we don't allow these situations to cause us to be disobedient to God. Uh, in verse 4, we see that some time passes. In verse 4, it starts off, and it came to pass in the process of time. Uh, now, we don't know how much time passes between Jephthah's brothers thrusting him out and God calling him into action, but I just simply wanted to point out that the Bible says that there is some time that passes here. So now we're going to look at how Jephthah is called into action, uh, starting in verse 4. So Judges chapter 11, verse 4. And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me, and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come unto me now when ye are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we have turned again to thee now, 
that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us, if we do not sow according to thy words. Uh, The children of Ammon now go to war against Israel. And remember that Israel wasn't really close to God right now. They fell away from God after Jair was judge. Uh, the children of Ammon came up against Israel. Uh, we see opposition to Israel every time they walk away from God. And every time they get right with God, God delivers them from their enemies. Uh, Romans 8.31, it ends with, If God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, We know that when God is on our side, we are then undefeatable because of God. Uh, We would never walk away from God if we think of that, right? Uh, Unfortunately, just like the children of Israel, we tend to walk away from God also. Hopefully, we don't go and serve false gods like Israel did here in this case. But every time we sin, every time we put something in front of God or above God, we've walked away from God. Uh, fortunately, when we get right with God and we take steps towards him, we get closer to God and God gets closer to us. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God desires to be close to all of us. If we make the first step towards him, he will also take a step towards us as well. So we have Israel here and they're away from God and the children of Ammon decide to make war with Israel So what does Israel do? They call Jephthah into action. Look at verse 5 again. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. Uh, So that's where he went when they cast him out. So now they're going over to where he's living to go fetch him again. Verse 6, And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did ye... Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come out unto me now when ye are in distress? So these men of Gilead, they decide that they need a leader to help them with this war against Ammon. And they know that Jephthah is the one to go to to be this leader. Uh, these same men cast out Jephthah. And they're now coming back to him and asking him, maybe even begging him to come and be their leader. Uh, Jephthah even reminds them that they are the very ones that thrusted him out of town, and now they are asking him for help. So this is important for us to see. First of all, we need to forgive others and help them even if they're not nice or helpful to us. Uh, Jephthah will decide to help them even though they treated him so badly. Uh, We can think of Jephthah the next time someone who hurt us or treated us poorly or wronged us, and that next time that person asks us for help, we can think of Jephthah and how he overcame all of that and did the right thing. We can also see here the importance of not burning down any bridges, uh, which is sort of what his brothers did. Now, we can... Um, we may not be nice or helpful 
uh, to someone and we may burn down that bridge, but at some day we may need that person. And, and we might be in that awkward situation of having to face them again. And, and they might be thinking of how we treated them last time we were around them. And it won't be very helpful in that situation. So we need to be careful not to treat people like that. First of all, it's wrong. But second of all, we never know what God has in the future. Uh, so next, let's look at how they work things out. Look at verse 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. Uh, maybe uh, Jephthah is asking them some questions here because of their past. And he doesn't know if he can trust them or if they're really being honest here. Or maybe they're trying to trick him somehow. And uh, that shows us that our character will be part of the reason for the way people think about us and if they trust us or not. Uh, not that we can really control what people do or their actions or what they think, but we could give them less reason to be skeptical of us. Uh, we need to be trustworthy all the time. Uh, this is the best way for others to listen to us and to uh, trust us. Imagine if you're trying to reach a lost person uh, it, with the, with Jesus, you're trying to tell them about Jesus, or you're trying to help a brother in Christ who maybe walked away from God at some point, and you're trying to talk to this person, and they don't know if they can trust you, or they know of a reason why they can't trust you because of something you did in the past. Uh, our character needs to be in a way that doesn't hinder the work of the Lord. Uh, Paul speaks about not giving a reason of hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Uh, we need to be careful not to hinder the work of the Lord in any way, including our character. So the men of Gilead and Jephthah, they come to an agreement for Jephthah to help them fight against the children of Ammon. And Jephthah then becomes the eighth judge of Israel. Uh, look at verse 11. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So now we have uh, Jephthah becoming the leader here. Jephthah finally arrives to the place that God had planned for him all along. And why are we surprised sometimes when things work out good and when we let God be in charge and we follow him? Uh, we could sit here and name all the reasons why Jephthah shouldn't be judged. Uh, we could list his mistakes. We could talk about his parents not being right, his brothers and the way they acted. We could talk about how he moved away. And there's no way if he moved away, he could come back, move back and be the judge. Uh, it doesn't make sense to us sometimes why these things happen and in these orders. Uh, but it was God's will for him to be judge. And that's why he is judge. God doesn't always operate in the methods that we think is right. 
Um, when I graduated high school, uh, which that's kind of a story itself, I, I got a little behind in high school and had to really work really hard to get done. Uh, so I finally graduated. I, I accomplished graduating high school. I knew God called me to preach, uh, but I decided to take a year off before going to Bible college. And a lot of people at that time told me they didn't think that was right for me to do. Uh, they, you know, gave me their opinion or advice. And uh, a lot of people just didn't think it was right. I eventually go to Bible college. And then after Bible college, even though I was called to preach, and I knew God wanted me to use me that way. For about seven years or so, uh, I was not able to serve God in that manner. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. But now, all these years later, I'm preaching, and I'm an assistant pastor here at the church. I actually have to remind myself that I'm a pastor. I have to, I sit there and think, and I'm like, pastor, really? Me? Pastor? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. But if you were to write down that scenario, and people were to look at it, they would look at it and say, that's not how God operates. No, God sends you to Bible college the year after you graduate. And you go to four years of Bible college, and then you go intern somewhere, and then you become a pastor somewhere, or a youth pastor, then pastor, and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, people have a predetermined thing on how it's supposed to work, but God has a specific plan for everyone. Uh, that was God's specific plan for me. Uh, God had a reasoning and a timing for everything, and it was perfect. Uh, God wanted to use me, and he knew the perfect time to use me. And God knew the perfect place that he wanted to use me. And thankfully, praise God, I followed his plan. And that's the only reason I'm able to be used by God now. Uh, it's not me, it's God, and it's God's plan. Praise God for his perfect plan. God has a plan for every single one of us. Every single one of you sitting there, God has a plan for you. Uh, God's plan is perfect. Uh, we need to be willing to accept God's plan. God wants to use you if you just follow him and obey his plan. So seek God's will for your life and let God use you. Let's pray.